uh, Isaiah chapter 49. We're going to go to verse 13. Isaiah 49, verse 13. Bible says in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13, Bible says, sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Let's, uh, let's open up in a word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, um, Lord, Thank you so much for all that you've done for us, Lord, for uh, being our God, right? And for giving us this great, this great thing, Lord, called your word so that we can come to know you, Lord, uh, so that we can have a life that's uh, framed up, Lord, according to uh, your hands, Lord. And Father, you've, uh, you've, you've, done, you've done great and mighty things for us, Lord, things we, we can't even put into words, Father, and you've even uh, graven our very names upon the palms of your hands, Lord. When you, when you hung on that cross and you bled and died for us, Lord, um, you did that for us, Lord. And um, you got the bad end of the deal. You got us. But Lord, I'm so thankful that your love reaches way down to where we are. And Lord, I just ask that tonight um, that you, you join with us, Lord, that you be with us. Um, that you use me, Lord, and speak through me, Father. I pray that nobody here came here tonight to hear from some guy from Philadelphia um, and the stories of Philadelphia. Although they can, they can be uh, you know, exciting and, and interesting, Lord, I pray that we've all come to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that your word is exalted. And Lord, uh, that you're well pleased with us here tonight in the singing and the coming together, Lord, in the spirit of fellowship that's in this church. And Lord, I pray that that carries out into this world, Lord, when we leave. I pray we leave a little bit different tonight, Lord, and that uh, we're, we're changed and for the better, Lord. Um, please, Lord, open up your word, and we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. It's an amazing passage, amazing passage. You know, and in particular, verse 16, I know that's a, a very well-known verse, uh, very beautifully written. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. It's a wonderful verse. It's, it's, it's incredible. But you know, what really caught my eye was the last part of that verse. And I never really stopped to think about it. I always was sort of focused on just the, just the beauty of the beginning. That the last part just kind of always, I kind of grazed over it, right? But let's take a look at that. Thy walls are continually before me. What's God talking about there? Thy walls are continually before me. Let's turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 14. I got a few passages here, so we're going to move pretty quick. Exodus chapter 14. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 19. Exodus 14, 
Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 19. And a little backstory, obviously, this is when uh, the children of Israel were, were being called out of Egypt. You know, and God, he uh, used Moses to um, bring about the plagues and all the things that happened there. And it's coming a time where, where God's people are leaving. They're heading out, right? There's coming a time soon where we're heading out, Amen. right? We're so worried about what's going on in the world and everything we see around us. We're about to head out soon. Amen. You know, you're going to be worried about paying your rent and your mortgage. And that check's not going to cash or it'll cash, but you won't be here. All right. We worry about all these things, but, you know, there's going to come a time where we're going to be checking out soon. But right now, we're going to look at what God's people were doing at this moment. They're about to check out of Egypt. Amen. And the Bible says in verse 19, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. But it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near unto the other all the night. And the Bible says, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. The waters were a wall. You know, there's supernatural walls that God has built into our life if you're a Christian today. If you're not a Christian today, there's a hand of mercy upon you as God tries to call you into the sheepfold, as he tries to call you back to him. But there are these walls that God has built into our life. They're walls that give fortitude, strength, walls of protection. You know, there's walls that are taller than the obstacles that are in our own life. Walls that are higher than the walls of our enemies. God will use a wall in our life to lay siege to the enemy. We may see things and think, I can't do that. I can't conquer that. God can't change that person's heart. There's no way that wall's coming down. But you stand on the wall of God, it's, it's greater than what you could ever imagine. God said that thy walls are continually before me. God was saying, he was talking about our walls. And he said that they're continually before him. He's constantly maintaining it, right? He's constantly checking the bricks, make sure the pointing's right, make sure there's no weak spots if we let him. If we let him have free reign in our life. He'll always be there trying to maintain those walls of our life and trying to do great things with those walls. He'll put you on the top of the wall and the world will look up to you as the light if you let him. The walls of the Lord are mighty. They're full of wonder. And it's so much more than this idea of, you know, well, you just, you, you got this wall here and this wall here like the children of Israel when they cross the Red Sea, you know, oh, we'll just follow the path. Uh, it's so much more than that in your life. It's so much greater than just following some, some blind path. It's, it's God. It's, it's God's direction in your life. These walls are a godly legacy and our heritage. 
you know, Lord willing, if I can live to see my kids get older, you know, they're going to hear stories about my God continually. That's going to be my wall that I can set for them in their life, right? They're going to have walls of safety in their life continually. Now, eventually, there's going to come a point in time where they're going to have to start making decisions on their own as to what's right and wrong when mommy and daddy aren't there, right? As parents, we all know that. We're just, it's sort of still more conceptual for us because our children are very young, but we know that that's coming. But what I can do is I can show them the walls that mom and dad have now and show them those walls are real, show them those walls aren't uh, full of hypocrisy, right? Show them those walls are, are by are by choice because we know that that's what is best for our lives, because God is good, right? Because Christ is good. We don't want to jump away from those walls if we can help it, right? So we want to show them that's, that's our godly heritage that we can leave through our family, those walls. Let's take a quick look at uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. Second Kings chapter two. This is kind of an interesting story here. Um, the ministry of Elijah is coming to a close, and you know God did some great and mighty things through Elijah, supernatural things. Um, everybody knows some of the stories of. Uh, you know, men that he'd seen destroyed before his very eyes, you know, by the power of God. Um, Elijah had the opportunity to speak to kings and speak power to kings and um, make a mark in this world. But at this point, things are kind of wrapping up for Elijah. You know, but it's an interesting story. Um, we're just going to kind of go through some parts of it uh, just to, for the sake of time. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase a little bit. You know, but uh, as Elijah is about to, about to head out, about, as God is about to call him up to heaven, right, Elisha is right there with him. You know, in verse 1 it says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah was with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord hath sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And each time the same thing happened. They would go to a new place. You know, it's interesting though, in verse 3, the Bible says, And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from my head today? And Elisha said, yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And then the next place they went, next place that they went after, after Gilgal and Bethel was in Jericho. And then they crossed the Jordan. And Elijah, he wrapped his mantle around his hand and he smote the, the water of the Jordan and crossed over the Jordan. And soon after that, God called him up to heaven. And then Elijah's just standing there like, what just happened? <laughs> Right. But you know what? You know, God used Elijah greatly in the lives of many, but particularly in the life of Elisha. And he showed Elisha that the walls that built God had built around his life were real. And he left him a godly heritage. And it was so interesting as I was looking at this passage, I realized, you know, everything that Elijah did, Elijah was was lockstep right there with him. 
There was also supposed men of God who were there to discourage Elisha. Don't you know this day that thy master's head is going to be taken from thee? He says, yeah, I know it. Hold your peace. You know, because even, even if the whole world, and people remember this, the whole world can be against someone that, 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 has, that God has a calling on their life. But it could be just one person in their life that could be you that's keeping that person together. And you don't even know it. You had these great men of God telling young Elisha, hey, listen, you know, your master's going to be gone soon. He says, I know it. Behold your peace. Because there was something about Elijah that was so genuine to him that even when he saw him called up to heaven, he said, I'm not going to stop now. And he started backtracking. And if you notice, they went from Gilgal to Bethel to Jericho and then Jordan. Elisha took up that mantle smote the rivers of the Jordan, just like Elijah did. He went from the Jordan to Jericho to Bethel, and then God had him go in a different path, I believe Mount Carmel at that point. But it's amazing, the footsteps that godly men and women leave in their life are far bigger than you can ever imagine. Far bigger than you can ever imagine. Nobody wants to reinvent the wheel, right? Nobody wants to reinvent the wheel. You know, Brother Reggie, he probably followed some great men, some great men that inspired him, that meant a lot to him, that instilled something in him. And the same could probably be said about men going back hundreds, thousands of years. Nobody wants to reinvent the wheel, right? We just want to walk with God and see him do some great and mighty things in our life. Because I tell you what, people follow you. They watch everything you do, everything you do. The little kids, they suck it up. My son, he's a sponge. It just sucks it all up. I see it, man. Once I had kids, I said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Accountable to everything. But who else is going to be there? Who else is going to be on? If you're not on the wall, the wall's coming down. If you're not on the wall, who's going to man the wall? Who's going to man the wall? You know, young people, the Bible says in, in Proverbs 15, Starting in verse 20, I'll just, I'll just read for the sake of time. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish man despiseth his mother. Folly is joy unto him that is destitute of wisdom, but a man of understanding walketh uprightly. The Bible also says, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That's in Ephesians 6. You know, back... Uh, Back on October 29th, a young man that my wife uh, reached on the, the bus ministry at, at her church, he was uh, at a house party and uh, hanging out in the neighborhood where his, uh, his mother used to live um, in an old housing project. She had since decided to do something with her life. You know, and when she was younger, she just wasn't living right and living as a fool. And she said, you know what? I can't keep doing this. Decided to go to school, become a nurse, started moving out of a rough, rough neighborhood in, in a part of New Jersey called Camden. Uh, Camden has the highest murder rate per capita of any city in America, I believe. But anyway, he's there at this house party having fun. You know, just a week before that, his cousin, uh, Another young lady, my wife, had uh, reached the bus ministry. My wife's reached a ton of kids through the bus ministry, amen. 
Uh, bus ministry works well in the inner cities. Anybody here feels called to start a church or help a church in the inner city? Believe me, a bus ministry is huge. Reach the kids. Reach the kids. Amen. Anyway, he's at this house party. His name's Jason. And he's uh, sitting in a chair, hanging out with his friends, 14 years old. And I don't exactly know what led up to the situation and what happened. But uh, a gunman came and uh, came to the porch, seen him sitting in the chair, um, pulled out a firearm and shot him three times, struck him once in the head, and he died. 14 years old. 14 years old. He died in the neighborhood where his parents used to play. You know, his father, um, his father was always in and out of jail. His father had had another child through another woman who was also murdered, and I believe he had some other kids as well, and just, just a fool, lived a fool's life. But they had no walls. They had no walls in their life. They had no walls of protection. They had no walls of wisdom. They had nothing. You know, and I thought about it, you know, how did he die? There was a breach in whatever wall that he had. I mean, he believed that he was saved. I don't, his life didn't really match up with that. So, I mean, there, there was some doubt with some people, but that's between him and God. That's between him and God. I pray that he was saved. I pray that he's in heaven today. But, you know, there was a breach in the wall. You know, young people don't... You know, whatever it is that you want out from, you know, whatever it is that makes you, you know, bitter or... Uh, maybe uh, just discouraged, uh, whatever it is, if you notice there's, there's hypocrites in your life, because there are, I mean, you're looking at one. You know, just think about God. Think about how good he's been to you. Think about how patient he's been with you. You know, try to be patient with your parents. Parents aren't perfect. We're not. We're not perfect. You know, but don't, don't try to, wherever, wherever it is you're trying to get out, that's where the devil wants in. You know, Jason, he, he stood by the window, an opening in the wall. You know, don't let, don't let pain define your life and who you are. Um, you know, let it refine you, help you to be better, help you to be closer to God. Young people, learn to forgive. Older people, learn to forgive. It's huge. God forgave us. Don't let your, your tombstone say, you know, I, he didn't want to forgive. She didn't want to forgive. Died bitter against this person. Died angry with that person. Don't let that be your legacy. You know, thank God. Thank God that, that he is graving our names upon the palms of his hands. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. And listen, if you're here today... And you feel like that God has called you to do something great for God. You feel like God has called you to the ministry. Or you feel that God has called you to reach another city. I mean, we, we, we flew in from St. Louis. That's three hours away. You know, there's, there's people everywhere. You know, I went to go get coffee uh, at a little coffee shop right across from, you know, the courthouse in St. Louis. I found a, a, a bullet on the ground. <laughs> I'm like, huh? This is supposed to be a nice part of town. The courthouse is right there. And listen, there's, there's plenty of opportunity anywhere you go. 
okay? Anywhere you go. Don't, don't let your own life and your own idea of trying to save your life create walls around you where you can't reach this world. Christ said if you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you seek to lose your life, you're going to find it for his sake. Ask God, what, what can I do? What can I do? You know, I was telling Pastor Reggie earlier today, a uh, good friend of mine, his name's Pastor Burton Gates. I know maybe some of y'all have heard his preaching before. Uh, he's from Arkansas. Old country boy, white guy. God called him to start a church in the Kensington section of Philadelphia, which is considered one of the worst neighborhoods in the United States of America. But God called him there. God called him there to reach black and Puerto Rican people that don't look nothing like him. And when I say he is winning that neighborhood for Christ, he is winning that neighborhood for Christ. People see him and they see a preacher. They don't see black. They don't see white. They see a preacher because he lives by this book. If you feel like God has called you to do something great, get in this book. Get in the word of God. Bury yourself in it. I know Pastor Reggie used to love to read his old Bible when he was younger to the point where his, his eyes were hurting. You know, get in that book. Blow out your eyes for God. God will give you new ones. Amen. He'll give you new ones. But don't be, don't be afraid, of, uh, don't be afraid of, of what you might lose. Because you're going to go this whole life trying to hold on to the things that you think are dear. And then you're going to stand before God and say, that wasn't, that wasn't what was dear to me. So ask yourself, what, what can you do in these last days? What can you do in these last days? I'm just going to turn to Joshua chapter 2. Bible says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came to a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Joshua, he sent out two spies, which many of you know the story. Rahab hid those spies, and she she was uh, instrumental in, in saving their life. You know, and God put on her heart to, to, to hide these guys. You know, but why? Why did she, why did this harlot in this enemy city decide to serve God? If you look at verse 9, the Bible says, And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And when you, came out of the, when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion, Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. 
She said, because of you. She said, because of you. You know, these men, I wonder, you know, if when they met Rahab, if they would have, you know, put their nose up at her. Like, oh, there's a harlot over there. You know, that's not part of our mission. You know, if they would have sent her away when she was trying to help them, how the course of things could have changed. You know, the world's just on the other side of that wall, right? The world's just on the other side of that wall. And, you know, to fast forward a little bit, after she hid those men, she asked, she had a petition of those men, you know, to save, to save her and to save her family. And they went down, they, they escaped that city before it was destroyed. They came down that wall. You know, and that was probably a wall where Rahab was working. You know, and that scarlet cord was probably something that she used for her business. But God used those things, used it mightily. And this woman ended up in the, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, the, the hall of faith, right? She was mentioned right after God spoke about the parting of the Red Sea, where God made the walls of the water. She was mentioned right after the walls of Jericho, which fell out. And then Rahab. And after God spoke about Rahab, he said, what, what more should I say? Don't, don't live behind your own walls and say that they're from God. Don't do it. Open up your heart to whatever the possibility that God has for you. I remember one day I was, I was at work. I used to be in the car business. Now I'm uh, in insurance. But I had a client. Her name was uh, Linda Bradley. And it was, uh, it was Saturday. Um, I was already there late. And she just was kind of going back and forth and, and really, really cheap. <laughs> and, you know, negotiating back and forth. And, and we're just there late. And it's getting later and later. Then I have to go clean the car after I sell it. And I'm getting a real bad attitude. And... And then she says, and it's already like an hour past closing, and she says, Justin, I know you're going to hate me for this. She says, I want this car instead. <laughs> so I have to go clean the new car now and pick up the old car. And the, the place where they clean the cars was like a half a mile away, so I'm jockeying cars, and, and I'm getting madder and madder. You know, I'm like, oh, definitely the Spirit of God is upon me as angry as I am right now. And I go to pull her car out, and I just, the devil just kept rearing me up, you know. And God just stopped and said, you know, why don't you just love that lady? Just, just settle down. You'll be okay staying at work for an extra hour. Why don't you love her? And the moment he said that, I was about to pull out, and a car drives past, and it had a license plate on the front. It said, like, Jesus loves you. And I'm like... I don't want Jesus to love me right now. I'd rather be mad, right? You know, as a kid, you get mad and you want to stay mad. Well, as an adult, that's probably how it works still, too. We just don't want to admit it, right? But I say, you know what? It, it changed my heart, my attitude towards that lady. I said, let me love that lady. You know, so I started praying for her. I said, Lord, how can I be kind to this lady? 
and it started to change my attitude. And she saw before I was a little flustered. I was trying to hide it, but you can't. If you got a bad spirit, you got a bad spirit, right? Lost World knows that, you know? Donkey knows that. Balaam, stop kicking me, <laughs> you know? I came back and her name was Linda. She says, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm like, Linda, it's okay, it's okay. And uh, she's like, I know I'm keeping you late. I'm like, it's all right. You know, I'm thinking to myself, thank you, Lord, right? So I get her in her car, and we get everything situated, and, you know, this love of God just came over me, and I just really was said, Linda, just thank you so much for your business, and, um, you know, I, I had no problem staying late for you. I really appreciate you, and I hope you love your new car. I got genuinely, instead of genuinely being bothered and annoyed and being selfish, I was genuinely happy for her at that moment. And she was just about to pull out. I said, hey, Linda. I said, can I give you something real quick? She said, sure. So I handed her a gospel track. And I said, listen. I said, I just wanted to let you know, you know, that, that Christ loves you. And that, you know, I just have a question for you, Linda. Because I know God loves you, loves me. But, Linda, if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you would, go, that you would be in heaven? And she said she didn't know. And I took that time, and I sat with her, went through some Bible with her, and we prayed together. Lady got saved right in the driveway, and she got a brand new car, she got a brand new life. Amen? Amen? And I was so thankful for that. She came, she came back the next week. She had to drop off some paperwork. And uh, she said, uh, she said I, have, I have a present for you. And it was funny because I was out that weekend. I said, let me go get, I want to get a little something for her. So I got in this little tea tumbler thing because I knew she was coming in. And uh, so she comes, she's like, hey, I have a present for you. I said, hey, I have a present for you too. And so she hands me a bag with a box of tea because she was, I had tea at my desk and she kept drinking my tea when she was there. She's like, I seen the tea in the store and I wanted you to have this. I said, well, I bought this tea tumbler and uh <laughs> God wants you to have this. And she's looking like, you know, I tell you what, when, when those walls start coming down and people see the goodness of God and his supernatural hand, I mean, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. You know, we just got to slow ourselves down and just get our, our eyes and our hearts away from ourselves and preservation. Just, it's all good. I remember one day I was out, uh, out on a run he used to go running at night after work, and there's this little uh, runner biker path in Philadelphia. It runs along a river. It's lit 24 hours a day. So I would go pretty late, you know, because I'd get off work late, and I was like, oh, let me, so I'd be out there sometimes 9, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm just running, you know, running four or five miles or so. This was obviously many, many decades ago, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and I'm running, and I run past these guys, these three guys. And they're cursing and ba 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 ba. And I look past the one guy. He's got a big uh, uh, Baphomet pentagram on the back of his hat, and he's got another one on his T-shirt. And I mean, he's just all, they're all wearing all black. I mean, they're just vile. And I'm running, and I'm like, I'm just gonna keep running past these guys. You know. And the Lord said, "Go talk to him." I'm like, Lord, I don't want to talk to these like. <laughs> Satanists at 10 o'clock at night. There's like three of them. And no, that's scary. Guys like, go talk to him. I'm like, yes, sir. Turn back around. Say, hey, guys, 
kind of awkward, right? <laughs> Philadelphia. Hey, guys, how you doing? I was like, hey, I just want to give you guys something. I had tracks in my pocket. They were a little sweaty. But I was like, you know, let me keep them. No matter what, let me keep them. I said, hey, I just want to give you guys something from the Bible. And I tell you what, you know, uh, and, I, and I remember the Lord just gave me words for them. You know, don't be afraid about knowing everything to say to everyone when it comes that time. God will give you utterance in that hour, right? And I said, listen, I said, you know, the Bible and, and the, the God of this universe is all powerful and he can do anything. But when you let him have control of your life, then you watch him do great and mighty things on your behalf. It takes the pressure off. So I don't feel like I have to be the God of my own universe. I don't have to be in control of things. And he stopped the, the, guy, the guy who was doing the most talking. He said, he said, you know, Satanism is a lot like that. He's like, but we believe we have control over our own will. I said, that's just that little difference. That little difference. I said, but I want you guys to read this when you get a chance. Check this out. See what you think. I said, because I'll tell you what, if I was the God of my own universe, it'd be a messed up universe. Show this world that we have a great and mighty God. They, they want to hear it. You, you think that people don't want to hear from you? People in the city, I mean, I know I told Pastor Reggie some, some wild stories. They're just people. I was amazed, actually, at the response of um, my testimony because I guess it's because what we're used to all the time, it's just regular life for us. But they're just people. They're just people. They're just people. I remember one day, I was, uh, I was going to work one day, and I used to live across the street from a small car lot in the city in Philadelphia. And there was a man there washing cars, and I'd seen him there many times washing cars. And I was headed off to work. But for some reason, this time was different. And the Lord clearly said to me, I want you to go and I want you to give that man a track and I want you to give him the gospel. And of course, I started fighting. Lord, he's working. He's, he's on the property of the job and, you know, he's busy working. And the Lord just repeated himself. I want you to go over there and I want you to give him a track. I want you to talk to him about the gospel. And I was like, all right, Lord. I'm like, but he's working. I don't want to be rude and interrupt. And so I go over there and pull a track on my phone. I say, hey, man, I just want to give you this, uh, just something to read about the Bible, something to read about the Lord. And, um, you know, it just tells you just how you can know for sure, you know, when you die that you can have a way to get to heaven when you die. And I don't want to interrupt you or anything. I know you're working, but, and he's sitting there, he's washing the cars. And he takes, and he's like, I said, but I'm going to head out. I hope you have a great day. All right. He's like, wait, hold on, hold on. I said, oh, what's going on? He keeps washing the cars, pauses for a second. He says, you know, one of my best friend's funerals is tonight. And he was a bad person. He did some bad things in his life, hurt a lot of people. He said, but you know, all I've been thinking about all day, all day, is where am I going to go when I die? He says, and now you came up to me asking me the same question I've been asking God all day. And we talked a little bit and, you know, he didn't get saved at that moment, but God was working on his heart. His name was Felipe. I went and talked to him a couple days later. I said, hey, Felipe, how you doing? You know, did you get a chance to read that? And, you know, just spoke to him a little bit further. He said, you know, I went to that funeral 
And uh, some of my friends were there, friends I'd known for 20 years and ran the streets with. So one of my friends, at the end of the funeral, he took me out to the car. He said, come out to the car real quick. He said, and he hands me a brick of cocaine, probably worth 20 grand. And Felipe was broke, washing cars, just got out of jail. He says, look, Felipe, I've known you for many years. Just take that. Don't worry about it. He says, I know you're good for it. Just pay me back when you have a chance. He says, we're friends. We've been doing this a long time. And he really started thinking about who his real friends were at that moment. And he said, Justin, he said, I held that thing in my hand. He said, and I gave it back. And I said, you know what? I think I'll be okay. But thank you. He says, you know what else? He says, I checked out that church up the street over there. He's like, I want God to do something different in my life. You know, listen. They're all just people. I don't care who they are. They're all just people. Are you praying for your enemies? Are you praying for the enemies of America? Are you, are you praying for them? Are you praying for the enemies of the cross? Ask yourself that. Are you praying that they don't die and go to hell? You know our enemies will die and go to hell if they don't get saved? It's a very simple but very profound concept that our enemies are going to die and go to hell if they don't get saved. Don't let this world, the noise of this world, the concerns, the chaos... You know, personally for me, God, he, he put a conviction on my heart. I used to love reading this website, Zero Hedge, and a lot of news articles about what's going on in the world. And you know, one day God just said to me, Justin, just stop going on that website. I'm like, but God, I mean, you know, I, I feel that you've called me to be some kind of watchman in some way, and you've, you've given me knowledge and wisdom about things in this world. And, you know, I've, I've had some very interesting interactions with a lot of people. And God's given me a real understanding of some things in this world. And he said, just turn it off. He said, don't focus on that. Focus on me. Turn the TV off. Left, right, center. You're Christian. You're Christian. Our walls are continually before him. The walls of God. Our walls are no good. Our walls are no good. God's walls, we want God's walls to be built around our life. We want to be sitting on top of God's walls. We want to have God's eyes. We have God's protection. If God's called you to do something great in this life, just follow it. Don't hesitate. Trust that God will see you through. thankful for everybody in this church. I'm thankful for uh, what God's doing here. Um, but this world out here, it, it needs, it's going to need some of you. God hasn't called everybody to go everywhere. Of course not. But if God's called you, go. Go. You know, I believe that God has, has called me and my wife to possibly start a church in, in Camden, in Camden, New Jersey. She's reached many people in Camden, New Jersey. I told you a story of a young man in Camden, New Jersey. But when God calls you, I know that 
The callings of, of the Lord are without repentance. And just go. And you know what? You won't hear that call if there's noise all around your life. Smoke a battle. Try to get quiet with God. Find out what his will is for your life. Because this life is quick. It's but a vapor. Use it for God. I mean, it's the last days. God's wrapping up. He'll do some great and mighty things through you if you let him. But just be willing, be able, um, be open. And uh, this world needs it. Our enemies need it. Our family members need it. The lost need it. Um, With everybody's heads bowed and everybody's eyes closed. Thank you so much for being here tonight and taking the time to hear what God put on my heart. With everybody's heads bowed and everybody's eyes closed, if there's anybody here today who'd say, you know what? I know that God's put my name upon his palms. I know that he's died for me. But I never really thought about the fact that his his, his life revolves around my walls. Our walls are continually before him. He cares about me. He cares about what I'm doing with my life. He cares about where I'm going. And anywhere that I go, there will be walls around me of protection. There will be walls around me of love and of power. If there's anybody here tonight who says, you know what, I know that God loves me and he died for me, but you know, I put some walls up in my life that I think I need a little bit of help taking down, little by little. If you could just raise your hand tonight, I'll pray for you. Anybody here tonight who says, you know what, I got some walls that maybe I built. Maybe I built it and blocked out God's walls. You can just put your hand up. I see those hands and I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Amen. If there's anybody here tonight who says, you know what, I hear these stories, I hear these things, I hear these, these miracles, but you know, I put walls up in my life and, and I don't even know that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. If there's anybody here now who says, you know what, if I died today, I don't know for sure where I would go. If there's anybody like that at all, if you could just put your hand up, I won't embarrass you, I'll just pray for you. Anybody at all who says, you know what, I see that hand, I see those hands. If there's anybody here tonight who says, you know what, I've got walls that are up and I have not let my Savior in. And I don't want to go through this life a person covered in in walls of my own creation. I don't want to go through this life and just be a phony. I want to let Christ in. If there's anybody like that tonight, just, just, just sneak your hand up. I know I've seen a couple hands. Anybody at all? Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for Liberty Faith Church. Thank you for the impact that they made on this community, Lord. Thank you for the ministries that are here. I pray you bless them. Thank you for the people that were praying for us, Lord, praying for me tonight. I know there's people here, when I go home, they're still going to be praying for me. People I might not even remember their name, but I'm so thankful for that, Lord. Thankful for their kindness. Lord, I'm thankful for the kindness of the Kellys and, Lord, all the families who've... uh, just been so sweet to us, Lord. I pray that you bless this church. Lord, I pray that you use these people, Lord, to spread out the gospel, Lord. Spread it out far and wide, Lord. Leave a godly heritage in this land. Lord, I thank you for what you've done here, and I pray that you continue to do that. 
Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.